Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, and we're going to read through uh, 7 through 12. Now, I'm going, to let you, uh, you're going to, I'm going to let you rest. You just got there, but you have to read louder. Get, your, get air in your lungs. I want you to read with me, Matthew 7, and uh, read with me these verses from the big screen. I don't even have to have my glasses to read this, okay? Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven Give good things to them that ask him. Therefore, all things, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to be the preacher this morning. Lord, would you take the word of God that was breathed by God, and would you take it, Lord, and apply it to our hearts and our minds, Lord, not that we just know it, but Lord, that as, as was prayed earlier, that we live it. Be doers of the word too this morning. In Christ I pray, amen. Well, this uh, scripture that's uh, very familiar with us, and I wanted to get a run and start. Uh, I'm gonna preach from, from verse 12. Uh, that's known as the what? Golden rule. But uh, it's interesting that the... The golden rule originated about 200, the name for it originated about 200 years after Jesus spoke these words there on the mountainside that day. And it was a strange place it originated. And a Roman emperor, 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 emperor named Alexander Servius um, wasn't a believer. He wasn't a, a follower of the Christian way at all or of Christ. But he was so um, enthralled. He was so amazed at the teachings of Christ and particularly this verse 12, that he had these words inscribed in gold in the walls of his house. And thus they became known as the golden rule. So they're familiar to us, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But there can be, and in their familiarity, sometimes we can kind of lose track of that. So I want us to, to really take a look at it. And I wanted to get a run and start because when we get to verse 12, he prefaces this golden rule with the words, therefore, all things. And someone said, right, when you see a therefore, you need to know what it's there for, right? So, so I want us to, we're going to take a look at that, this, this, this teaching, I think that's critical to it. Now, the golden rule and, and, and a lot of religions of the world, matter of fact, I asked Jackie last week, I said, hey, hey can you pull me off? Some of the religions of the world have teachings that are so sound similar to this. And she did. She brought me in about six pages. I had them at the house and I had highlighted them. I wanted to spare us all the, 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 the just too many of them. But I'd highlighted a few and I left it at home. <laughs> so you just have to take my word. Most, a lot of the religions, and this is what basically all the religions were saying. Don't do anything to anyone else that you wouldn't want done to you, okay? Don't do unto others what you would not have done unto you. And they say that in, in, in one form 
uh, in one way or another. And that's uh, basically all of them. But you look at them and they sound so close, but the more you ponder them, the more you realize they're not close at all to what Jesus is teaching. Matter of fact, they're almost polar opposites, okay? They're like 180 degrees difference. Now, to help us understand the significance of that difference, I want to invite you to go with me to the book of Luke. And we're, we're going to go there, but we're going to come back to Matthew 7. So don't lose your place there. We're going to be coming back to Matthew 7 real quickly. But a familiar story in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, picking up with verse 30, Jesus is teaching. And the question comes up about who is, who are, who is our neighbor? Jesus, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Answering about uh, uh, the, the law. What, what, is, what are we to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus teaches this story. We call it the story of the Good Samaritan. But it illustrates the difference between the religious philosophies, not only of Jesus' day, but also of our day, and what Jesus is telling us in verse 12. Let's look at it. It says, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his clothes, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. They robbed him, beat him, and either thought they'd killed him or it really didn't matter. They thought he had died. They left him. Okay? And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now, again, these two men uh, met all the religious requirements of the, of the religions of their day. They didn't do anything to this guy that was beaten and laying there. They didn't do anything to hurt him, did they? Not at all. They didn't do anything to hurt him. So we could say they, as far as the religious teachings of their day and of, of the major religions, they had fulfilled them. In, being, in all fairness in, to this priest and this Levite, we, we, we don't know their thinking. I mean, we could give them the benefit. Maybe their thinking was, hey, it was a dangerous road from Jerusalem up to, or down to Jericho, or Jericho up to Jerusalem. It's a dangerous road. It was a road, road that was known for the opportunities uh, to be robbed, for the, the, how dangerous it was for highwaymen and robbers and all this. Maybe they looked, they come by and they saw this and they thought, if we stop, maybe the crooks are still here and they're just waiting for us to stop and then they're going to attack us and rob us. Maybe they thought, well, this guy, they, they've really done a good job, but this is just bait and, they're going, we're, they're, and we can't afford to stop. Maybe the Levite or the priest thought, you know what, if we stop and check on this guy, he looks like he's dead or, or going to die and if, and if I touch a dead body... I'm going to be ceremonially unclean and I can't perform my, my duties up at the temple till I go through a cleansing process. And, and I've got to get there because I, they're expecting me to do this services today. We don't know their motives. But what we do know is what Jesus is teaching us. Jesus says there's another one, the third one that comes by. Verse 33, but there was a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was. I, I've, I've got that in parentheses. I don't want to. I don't want to preach. I'm not going here. We're going back to Matthew, but I just think about it. he came where he was. The first one, if you if you notice in verse 31, he says that when he saw him. When you look at verse 32, he says he came and looked on him, and you see a little bit of progression. One happened, saw him. Well, the other one came, goes over, look, takes a look, and then goes on. But when you look at the Samaritan in verse 33. He came where he was. What a picture. Can't go there. Can't preach. But what a picture of Jesus Christ. 
Emmanuel. What a picture of the sinless Son of God coming into the world, taking on flesh and blood for you and me. He came where we were. Ah, picture. This Samaritan came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he set him on his donkey, and he took him and brought him to an inn, and he took care of him all that night. Verse 35, the next morning when he gets ready to go, he takes out some money, gives it to the innkeeper, and he says, here, take care of him, do whatever he needs, and if it's more than this, when I come back, I'll, I'll pay you what else I owe you. And then Jesus says, now, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? You see, the difference between the priest and the Levi, they were following all the religions, but the Samaritan acted. He treated this man as if he would want to be treated. Can you imagine this? I mean, he's thinking, hey, if I'm laying there half dead or, or almost dead and can't help myself, have no means of doing that, I would want somebody to stop and take care of me. He treated the man as if he had wanted to be treated. Well, you see, I believe that, that, that's, that when Jesus, the difference between the religious teachings of the day and what Jesus says, I believe when Jesus says this words in verse 12 to the people who were listening that day and to us still today, I believe these words were and are head turners, what I call head turners, okay? Uh, you see, it had only been about 50 years before Jesus uttered these words that the uh, story is told and, and uh, it's recorded, Josephus and some others record, of a Gentile that went to a Jewish rabbi, a very significant and prominent rabbi named Halil. And he went to Halil and he, and he told him, he said, if you can teach me the law while standing on one foot, I'll convert to Judaism. Now, the law was notoriously long with all the, 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 things, the additions to it. But this is what is recorded that Halil told him. Do not do to your fellow what you hate to have done to you. This is the whole law. The rest is just explanation. <laughs> Think about that now. Do not do to your fellow what you would hate to have done to you. The rest is just explanation. For Jewish believers, they would have been very familiar with these words spoken 50 years prior to when Jesus spoke these. Matter of fact, they had, probably, they had probably quoted them themselves. They may have even used them. They may have even used them as a guide to, to navigate their relationships. Don't do anything to others that you'd hate to be done to you and try to, and, you know, try to fill in the blanks with the rest of it. Maybe these people that were listening to Jesus that day um, thought that this young, this young teacher had just forgot the saying of Halil. Maybe they just thought that either he'd forgot it or he just got it mixed up. So I, I tried to figure out what that would kind of be like for us, okay? And this is the best I can come up with. It, it's, it's kind of pitiful poor, but this is the best I can come up with. You, you, you remember, rem, remember this. Ask not what you can do for your country, but what your country can do for you. Yeah, well, you're, some of you are laughing. You're, you're just thinking, again, uh, you, John, JFK, 1961, inaugural address, right? Yeah, but some of you are nice. You're saying, but preach, you got it all messed up, right? 
Because JFK's words were, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, right? Now, whether or not these words were original to him is really debated. Matter of fact, there's a, there's a good, good uh, chance and there's a lot of re- history behind the fact that, that uh, they didn't originate with him, but by one of the professors that he had in college who had, ta- who had said these words over and over to the class that he was in. But be that as it may, the familiarity with these words spoken in 1961, we're, we're 55 55 years away from that, almost 56 years away from when they were spoken. Still close, okay? We're close enough that for those of us who were alive and heard this inaugural address or or heard it many times, ask not, you know, this young president, ask not what your country can do for you. Changes the perspective of what you can do for your country. And those of you that you're 55 years old, you have either seen clips or you've read it or you've heard it enough to know the difference between ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. You see, the focus is entirely different. Now, today, you think, boy, it's more appropriate. People are asking what your country can do for you. You know, it's all about me. Now, I think, keep that in your mind, because it had only been about 50 years prior to Jesus speaking these words when the rabbi had said, Don't do to anyone that which you would hate done to you. And Jesus comes up and says, I say, how's he say it here in verse 12? It don't sound, uh, it's hard for me to say it. Whatsoever you would that man should do to you, do even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Wow. 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 Either this, and when he said this, the heads turned. And I imagine there were some, you know, kind-hearted people there, like, like you're kind-hearted, thinking, he's just misspoke, bless him. You know, if it had been in the South, I don't know if it's in South Galilee, they'd say, bless him, Lord. That's what they'd have said. Just bless him, Lord. You know, he's doing the best he can. I just hope he don't lead people into sin because, there's, you know, he's leading them astray here with this misquoting this. But, but the others would have said, no, you're, you're misquoting. Jesus, you got it all wrong. It's not due to others. What you want done to you is be sure that you don't do to them what you don't want to do. And Jesus would say, no, my law is completely different. My words are completely different. And some people say, well, then if, if, those are, if that's really what you meant to say, it's impossible. It's really impossible. You're asking us to do that which we can't do. And, and, and I, I'm looking at, you know, sometimes we work on that. But for me, as I look at this, it is almost impossible. That's why I think it's critical that we look at this therefore. At the beginning, before Jesus, Jesus prefaces what he says with therefore all things. And I think the significance to me is this. He's just got through talking about how to pray. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock, it'll be open to you. He's just talking about how that as parents, as, as, as earthly parents, if our if our kid or a grandkid wants a roll, we don't give them a rock and say, suck on this. Or if they ask for a fish, you don't hand them a rattlesnake. And he says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, then in verse 11, he said, how much more? Did you see that? If you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? He's saying, hey, if you, if you th- how much more does your heavenly father or your father, our father, know how to give good gifts to those who ask him. 
And I think Jesus, I think the significance is this. Jesus is saying because of the relationship that you have or that we have or that is possible that God desires because of this relationship that we have with him, a personal relationship with him. Because of that relationship, he is going to empower you. He is going to help you so that you walk out this relationship in your relationships here with other people, treating them the way you want to be treated. You see the difference? Now, somebody, somebody gave this as an illustration to try to explain the difference. Uh, again, it's probably the best they can do. I, I, probably better than anything I could do. But they uh, say it'd be like a memorial service or funeral service, okay? And the person has been in a coma all their life. I don't know if that's possible, but just go with me to this, all right? I don't know if it's possible the person's been in a coma all their life. And so at the, at the memorial service, the eulogy's up, and they say, this person before us never spoke a harsh word, never used a word, a word unwisely. This person never said a harsh or mean thing about anybody. The person never stole. The person never lied. We could say, what a good person. But the truth of the matter was, they were in a coma all life, couldn't do anything. But we are alive. It's a different matter. You see, the silver rule, the religious rule, don't do to others what you wouldn't want done to you. It's a big whoop. Priest and Levi did that. They fulfilled it to the letter. Jesus says, no. If you want to know what my plans are for you, if you want to know what my God is for you, is you be active. Take action. Treat others the way you'd want to be treated. Serve others the way you'd want to be served. Love others the way you'd want to be loved. But, but, verse 12 comes with a caveat. I'm using big words and I can really butcher them up. I think that means it comes with an exception. Can I say that? Okay, so there's no guarantee with verse 12. We like to think, right? Hey, I'm trying my best to live by the golden rule, treating others the way I want to be treated. And so somehow or another we get this concept and it's all about fairness. If I treat Todd the way, you know, I'm treating Todd the way Todd... uh, He's helped me. He come over and we, he helped me on the tractor a while back. But let's, let's say that Todd needs help. You know, he's, got the, he's out here and I'm coming out one day and I say, Todd, let me help you. I've got some time off. I want to help you do that. And so, you know, a few months go by and I'm thinking, I need some help. And I, I'll say, Todd, can you come out of the house? And Todd said, I can't help you. I'm sorry. Oh, that's ain't right. In my mind, I'm thinking, I helped him when he needed help. Dad Jim, he ought to help me. Verse 12, don't come with a guarantee. It's, it doesn't come with... Um, those of you in first service, I can say this word. It's the big word for reciprocate. I'm going to spell it. Say it. Reciprocity. I've got, it, it doesn't, I can't say that hardly. Reciprocation. Reciproc, it, that, means that it, that means that what you do, there's no guarantee that they're going, you're going to be treated the same way, right? There's no guarantee of that. Jesus doesn't say, treat others the way you want to be treated, and they'll treat you that way. He doesn't say that. Matter of fact, his life bears out 
The exception, matter of fact, I mean the, the illustration, that there's no reciprocating that. Jesus lived his life treating others the way he'd want to be treated. Never, never sinned. Never, that means, that means he, he, he was, it means he never sinned. He treated people with love. He treated people with care. He, he wasn't afraid to confront, but he always confronted the truth and in love. And what happened? There came a day when the multitude around him was hollering, crucify him, kill him. We don't want him, kill him. There came a day when the authorities, at the response to those cries, nailed him to a tree. Yet he lived this out. So this, this guideline, this goal of treating others the way we would want to be treated, being proactive, serving, loving, giving, helping the way we want to be, not the way that we're going to be necessarily. It doesn't come with a guarantee that it will change others. But it comes with the understanding that in living it out, walking it out, it has a way of changing us. When we walk in obedience to that which call, God calls us to do, there is a peace that passes reciprocity, surpasses that, because we know it's from God. Well, and I think it all hinges and all comes down to we can do it because of this relationship that we have with a father that loves us. He loves us that much. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as a personal savior, me talking about a personal relationship with him and, and, and what that's like is like me stand, trying to stand up here and tell you how good ice cream is and you've never tasted it. You almost got to taste it. Never forget Barbie and I, we're in San Francisco, we live in the inner city, and I was working with some, a group of high school kids from inner city schools there in San Francisco, and we got, we got some time, and Barbie and I took them to the East Bay, we took them through Oakland to, I forget the name of the reservoir, it's beautiful, it's just out in the country, a lot of them never got to the country, and uh, we brought our ice cream maker with us from Blairsville, Georgia, had it out there in, in the Concord, near Concord, California, and, and I told the kids, we're going to make homemade ice cream. Barbie, and Barbie, she'll tell you this. I don't think there was a one there that had ever eaten homemade ice cream. They, if ice cream was them, you go store and buy it. And, and Barbie had all the ingredients, the, all the stuff, that she, and she poured it in there, and, and their eyes got big, and, she, and then we said, and we said, okay, now you got to turn this thing. You know, and we had the ice on, and they sat there. But when, we, when, the, when the ice cream got hard, and when Barbie served up that ice cream, you could, you could just, their eyes lit up. They had never had homemade ice. Now, Briars is good. I don't know what brand you like. Freddie's, what, Freddie, what do you haul? Huh? Mayfield, Mayfield. I'm going to say that for Freddie. Mayfield's good. There's some good stuff out there. <laughs> ice cream's kind of like fried chicken. It's hard to mess it up. But if, until you dip into that homemade ice cream, tell you how good it is. Oh, it's good. But it's the same way. We can talk about this personal relationship with Jesus, with our Father in heaven that he loves you, God wants the best for you. God sent his best, Jesus Christ, his only son, into this world, and he was willing to let him die, his only son die, for my sins and your sins, so that we, who were sinners, could be clothed at the righteousness of his son, who was not a sinner, yet died for all the sinners, so that we could have the righteousness of God in us. He loves us that much. 
And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with him, I'm just going to tell you, I can tell you how good it is all day. But until you surrender and say, Jesus, I need you to save me, you'll never know it. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, there is nothing compare. And he says, therefore, because of this relationship that we have or that he desires or that's there for each of us, if you being earthly know how to give good gifts, how much more shall your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? I'm going to close with a story. Uh, may not be the best story to close, but I love it. So I'm going to close with it. It's a story of a, that kind of, to me, focuses on what Jesus was saying in this treat others the way you want to be treated. And the story, and the story is about a, a young man. I'm going to call him Chad. It's not his name. So I'm, Chad's not here. But I'm going to call him Chad. And, and Chad was a, a special kid. Um, today, we'd probably say he, he was special needs. And, and when I grew up, we, we call it handicap. And I used to always say we're just all handicapped in, in some way or another, okay? So it kind of puts us, there we are. But, but Chad was kind of a special needs student, but precious and loving and kind. But, but sometimes students like Chad or people like Chad, especially in school, kids can be cruel. Kids can be mean, okay? Kids can be just like a bunch of chickens. Uh, you know, if you raise chickens, if you have a chicken, ever gets... Ever start pecking on that chicken, if you ever start getting that chicken to bleed, the rest of them will peck them to death if you don't get them separated, okay? Just peck, 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 peck. We can be cruel. Well, Chad was kind of a special needs kid, and, and oftentimes he kind of got picked on. He was alone, but oh, he just had this attitude, this, just this loving attitude. But Chad came home from school a few weeks before, it was right after the first year, a few weeks before Valentine's Day, and he brought the note. He brought the note to his mom and said, we got this in school today. And the note said that we're going to have a Valentine party and told when it was going to be and that there were 35 kids in the class if they wanted to bring Valentines for everybody. And they was all invited, you know, to, to be a part and celebrate that party. And Chad was excited. Well, his mom just cringed because things like this had a way of leaving Chad hurt and crying. And Chad, and she said, well, Chad, she said, why don't we plan on the day that they're going to have this, your party in your class? Why don't you, why don't we plan a party? You go with me. We'll go to the park. We'll go watch a movie and we'll go do this. this, this. And, and Chad looked at her and said, mama, this is my, this is my party. And I got to make Valentine's. And his mom inside is, you know, inside she's, she's grieving. She, but she goes to the store, she buys paper, she buys scissors, she buys glue. And for the next two or two and a half weeks, she and Chad cut out and make Valentine's, 35 of them. One for his classmate. The day of the Valentine's party that morning, Chad gets up. He counts the, the Valentine's again for no, how many knows how many times. Counts them all again, 35 of them, stacks them up, puts them in a bag, wraps them up, and he carries them to school, tickled to death. And his mom is cringing. And she's wondering what she can do. She's praying all day long. Lord, please don't let him be, you know, don't let him be mean to him. And she thinks, she comes up ideal. She thinks, must be like Sarah. It wasn't the cinnamon rolls, but she thinks, Chad loves chocolate chip cookies. Especially, Paige said, had some last night, they were still hot. Chocolate chip with nuts in there. Now, I just want to tell you, cooking soothes me whenever I'm, matter of fact, cooking can do that when I'm not even hurt. <laughs> but, but Chad's mom thinks, I'll, I'll make his favorite cookies. And so when he gets, when he gets home, He's going to be hurt, 
but I'm gonna, I'm gonna have his favorite cookies and milk and maybe that'll take the, the wire edge off of the hurt, okay? So this is what her thinking is and she's praying, she's crying, she's making the cookies. Sure enough, time for the bus to come by and the bus, the bus pulls up and stops and, and there's several kids gets off there at, at, at in front of their house and she's looking out the window and sure enough, here comes all the kids and all of them in front. Chad's the last one off and he's by himself and the rest of them are going on and he's walking. Turns up the walkway and, and she runs to the door and she's opening the door and he's coming up and she says, Chad, she said, I've got your favorite cookies and milk ready because she wants to, to help you know, soften this blow. And Chad's walking up the, the sidewalk and he, and he walks right by her. And as he comes by her, he says, not a one, not a one. And his mother now is just ready to burst out into tears. And he says, I didn't forget a single person in my class. What a story, what a true story, what an illustration of treating people the way we want to be treated. Where was Chad's focus? On every one of the others. On every one of the others. What can I do for them? You know, today we live in a world where the focus is on me. Chad could have come and said, I didn't get one. That's what his mom thought he said. I didn't get one. It didn't matter to Chad because he had done that which was so important to him. He had not forgot a one. Jesus wants us to live our lives treating others the way that we would have them treat us. And there's no guarantee of reciprocity. But there is a guarantee of a relationship with a father who loves us if we give our hearts and lives to him. That's the challenge before us. That's the mission we're called to. Go do it. Go do it. Now, it's one of those things, it's a lot easier said than done. But I'm really realizing that what Jesus called us to is to a life of action, not just a life of words. Okay? It's all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. In a time of, uh, of year, Lord, a, a season, when we've been reminded so, so appropriately and so abundantly of your love for us, when we're thankful for your blessings for us. Lord, and among those are our relationships, friendships, and even family. And yet, Father, you've called us as your children, as your children, to go live out this relationship that we have with you, to live it out in a world where people don't reciprocate all the time that. Sometimes it's foreign to them. Sometimes we're taken advantage of. Sometimes it hurts. But Lord, what a lesson we can learn from Chad. To focus on others and our opportunity to do for them regardless of what happens back. Now Lord, help us walk that out. Help us live that out. Help us carry that out. And Father, it's my prayer as we come to this time, as we gather to, at your table to share in the communion of your life, of your body and your blood, that there wouldn't be a one of us in here this morning that doesn't have that personal relationship with you. And Father, if there, are, if there is, if there are those that have heard about it, 
Maybe they've heard it preached about. Maybe they've thought about it. But Lord, as far as just knowing and experiencing it, they haven't. And all I've been saying this morning is trying to, they're trying to grasp it and it's like trying to know what ice cream tastes like when you never took a bite. Lord, I pray this morning, I think it's one of the writers of Scripture said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're here this morning and you've never tasted of Him, you can know a lot of things about Him and have a lot of head knowledge. You can even try to be good. You can try to live out this golden rule without that relationship. But you're going to find it difficult, if not impossible. And you're going to miss the most significant thing of all. And that's the therefore. Therefore, because of this relationship, you have a heavenly father that loves you. And he wants that relationship with you. If that's you this morning, would you just say, God, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. There are many. God, I'm sorry. Lord, I trust you as my Savior. I want to please you. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. And I believe by trusting you, you'll come into my heart. Do that right now. In Jesus' name I pray.